Kansas basketball got a commitment over the weekend, but you'll have to wait a while to see him play. Jesse Newell, who covers KU Sports for the Kansas City Star, stops by to tell us why. We chat about several former Jayhawks who returned to participate in an alumni weekend. We also look to the future and Kansas's possible NCAA trouble. All of this on Sportsbeat KC, the sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. One of these days, one of these days, um, we will talk KU sports with the entire KU sports staff. Um, that is Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore. Uh, as of now, we've just talked to Jesse Newell, who is here today with us, and I'm glad he is. One of these days, we're going to get Gary in here, and uh, and we're going to sit him in this chair <laughs> right, right over here, here. Yep, and he is going to um, uh, and he is going to discuss. KU basketball, KU football. He's covered everything KU. He's a legend, and he has avoided us. <laughs> I feel like uh, when we get Gary in, it could be more of a big-picture historical discussion because that guy has covered a lot of KU sports. A ton. I I covered my first KU game in 1989. I had just moved here. I'll never forget it. It was KU versus basketball. KU versus Alabama-Birmingham in the preseason NIT a game at Allen Fieldhouse. KU was coming off Roy Williams' first season. They were on NCAA, NCAA probation, and there were like 7,000 people at Allen Fieldhouse watching that game. And I kept thinking, what, what is this? Everybody's telling me what a great place Allen Fieldhouse was. But I do remember Gary Bedore there. That's where I met <laughs> Gary Bedore. And he had been, you know, he'd been at the Journal World for years at that point, and, um, and he has done nothing his adult life except cover the Jayhawks, and I don't know if there's another writer in the country who's more associated with the school than Gary is with KU, and so uh, I'm glad he's working for us, and Gary, I know you're listening. We're getting you in here soon, so uh, <laughs> be prepared, but I'm glad we've got Jesse Newell because uh, Jesse is does an incredible job covering the Jayhawks for the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com, and, um, and there, it's never not... Kansas basketball season, and we were reminded of that just a few days ago. We're recording this on Tuesday, um, Tuesday afternoon. But uh, was was it over the weekend that we found out about Trey White, the latest Kansas basketball commitment? Yes, over the weekend, and um, it's sort of interesting too because this has been a late recruiting season for Kansas. You know, not only have they pulled their guys back in, you know, Yudoka Azabuki coming back, Devon Dotson coming back, all these guys that were testing uh, the NBA waters, uh, you know, deciding to come back to Kansas. So that was kind of a late occurrence. And then they pull these late guys like Jalen Wilson and Tristan e. Naruna and Isaiah Moss, a graduate transfer. So all that stuff kind of got pushed back into May and June. But now you have guys from the 2022 recruiting class uh, and so you're thinking okay 2022 um, that's not next year and it's not the year after that it's the year after that so we're talking about going to be a sophomore and that's where we're talking about Trey White who is a, a six foot five shooting guard out of Milwaukee and, and this these are sort of weird ones to talk about because like rivals we know rivals like has made an industry out of ranking these kids and putting them in boxes and saying what they're going to do they haven't ranked him yet because they haven't. They don't have rankings for the 2022 class yet. So for him, it's kind of one of those things. I think where KU saw him, 
gave them an early offer. You do that a lot of times. You figure these kids are going to rack up their offers and take 30 or 45 of them and think about it and wait until they're juniors and seniors. And then sometimes they just say, forget it. I'm choosing this school. So a long way to go. Um, you know, a lot of things have to happen between now and then. Sometimes when KU picks up these early commitments, they don't always stick just because of circumstances changing. But uh, for Trey White, it sure seems like he's going to be a five-star guy. It seems like he's going to be a talented shooting guard. And uh, as you mentioned, Blair, that means it's always recruiting season for Kansas basketball, even with guys that you didn't know <laughs> were considering Kansas or considering committing to Kansas, and even for guys that are in the 2022 class. Right. So without without a rival star or whatever other recruiting service wants to put a, a sign of value to him, what you have is the list of schools that other were other schools that were interested in him, and it's always good to be in the neighborhood of um, of schools that were in the Final Four recently, and two of them were right with Texas Tech and Auburn, LSU and Illinois were two others that were mentioned. And what did what did what did the father say about uh, um, he had heard from 15 schools like uh, just like over the weekend or something yeah I'm, I'm sure with these young kids I mean there's no reason not to these coaches get involved with them early you want to start and build relationships and um, like a lot of these things we've kind of seen this I'm sure you can speak to this too Blair in football where I know this was kind of one of Bill Snyder's pet peeves that everyone gets an offer and whether it's a real offer or not a real offer, but you know you have coaches out on the recruiting trail and they've offered 100 kids. We only have 25 scholarships, but they know that not every kid is going to sign yeah. up on the spot to go to K-State. So again, I think for Kansas, this was trying to get in early on a kid that they knew was going to be talented. And this kid, Trey, taking sort of a different path with it, was basically saying, I'm done with this. I don't want to build this thing up. I don't want all the three-ring circus of being the center of attention. I just want to go to a really good school. I think Kansas is that school, and I like the relationship I have with Jarence Howard, the assistant coach. So, like I said, we'll see where this sticks. This um, hasn't always played well for Kansas in the past, or hasn't always stuck. I mean, the last one to give a commitment this early, I think, was Marquise Jacobs, who uh, now didn't end up with Kansas. Uh, I believe he's DePaul, I think, is the school. I mean, we can look it up with a real quick Google search. But um, And then, you know, even if you think back further than that, Connor Frankamp was a guy that committed his sophomore year, uh, came to Kansas for a year, and then obviously transferred and um, had some success at Wichita State uh, afterwards. But um, this doesn't always pay off. But like I said, when you're in on a five-star kid, and you can get that commitment early and he's ready to, to sign up, then um, I guess this is what you got. And we'll see if uh, in three years from now we're talking about a guy, a freshman in Trey White. He, he's, um, he had some connections to some other familiar recruiting names for Kansas. R.J. Hampton was... Uh, um, was a friend of his, I guess. Or, or yeah, he came. He's Milwaukee, but he came via Little Elm, Texas, which that should ah, sound familiar because yes. R.J. Hampton. That's the the high school that, uh, or the city and the high school that R.J. Hampton. And then obviously we know the connection between R.J. Hampton and newest Jayhawk Jalen Wilson because those guys were uh, good friends. And it sounds like that Trey White and Jalen Wilson know each other and are friends too. So yeah, you'll you'll see kind of some of those similarities going along the lines there. But uh, yeah, this will be one we kind of have to sit back and wait and see how it develops over time. But uh, for Kansas, you, know, you might as well lock in these guys early. If they're ready to commit, then, then you're ready to take them. Is there a chance to reclassify? There is. And that was something that was mentioned in the article by Gary Bedore that he could go into the 2021. So maybe we're talking about uh, a guy that could help out down the road two years from now instead of three years from now. Uh, something to monitor. We'll see if it happens. A lot of times when there are those whispers, it ends up happening because um, that's just, it, you're seeing this more and more nowadays where kids are sort of held back for athletics so that they can uh, kind of make that decision later on if they want to move up or not. Or, and if not, then they're big for their grade and they are more physical and uh, 
you know, physically gifted. So we'll see what happens with this one. But again, probably at least a year from now until we know something a little bit more definitive. Okay. Now, um, this was a another big weekend at Kansas for uh, for other reasons. They had a lot of alumni in for various functions last week and, and into the weekend. And I know if you're a Kansas basketball fan, you love seeing seeing the old players there. Any did anything come out of that that was interesting or intriguing? And I know for me, seeing Frank Mason, I know he threw out a first pitch at uh, at the T Bones game over the weekend. He's got a softball charity softball function coming up in August. But um, I saw where Tyshawn Taylor was there and Cole Aldridge. There was a lot of a lot of old KU guys there. What's uh, did you glean anything from from just seeing the some of the old guys? Yeah, well, it's it's fun to get those guys back, and it, it's sort of fascinating when you get the different generations of them too. Like I went to the Round Ball Classic, and afterwards, probably 20, 25 minutes after all autographs were done, there was just Kenny Gregory and Keith Lankford just sitting on the side of the stands, just chatting it up about basketball, about KU, and he's it, kind of like you're bringing different things, you know. Keith was with the uh, transition from uh, Roy Williams to Bill Self, right, right. and then Kenny Gregory obviously was the five-star McDonald's All-American who was uh, with Roy, and maybe didn't live up to the exact expectations that were brought into him or brought with him when he came into college, but still had a really nice college career for Kansas. Super athletic, you know, huge vertical, all those sorts of things. So it's sort of fascinating to kind of get all those guys together. I mean, even Scooter Berry came back for the game. I know he flew in. So, um, but it's a good event that Brian Haney. Uh, voice of the Jayhawks runs he's been doing it for years now and maybe the most difficult thing he ever did with it was he used to be the voice of the Texas Tech Red Raiders and he still was running the charity event in Lawrence so can you imagine I mean since this was the 11th annual one this ran for those I think it was three or four years he was at Texas Tech he was trying to coordinate things back in Lawrence and he'd fly in and still have this thing happen so those guys came back together for round ball classic on Thursday Friday there was a dinner event where those guys told a bunch of stories and then Saturday there was a golf tournament raising money for pediatric cancer but more than anything it's just sort of a a celebration of KU basketball, if you will, and getting those guys back together and letting them be celebrities again. I mean, you should see the autograph line that forms after the Ryan Ball Classic for these guys and um, the appreciation they still get. So, you know, we talk about Gary Bedore kind of being the uh, the pillar of Kansas basketball reporting. it. It's starting to make me feel a little bit old, too, because now I'm going back to these events and, uh, you know, uh, you know Ben McElroy, hey, man, how's it going? And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, that wasn't too long ago. And then Cole Aldridge come up, hey, how you doing? And it's just like, Okay, now Cole Aldridge was a little while ago, and so uh, you know Matt Kleiman from the way title team, he'll come up and and so so yeah, we'll you, be on to decade now. I, I know, so it's sort of like oh man, I've I've been around a little while here too, but um, gracious guys, and and you kind of do get an appreciation too. I mean, it kind of makes me think about this in a big roundabout manner, but you know, there's been that like Mets story this week where the the beat reporter and the manager are yelling yeah, at each other, and yeah. and Jason Vargas is yelling. It's just sort of fascinating, kind of. There's that part of it, and you know, there's always this kind of interesting relationship between the media and um, athletes and can be tumultuous, all that stuff. So um, it is interesting in these settings where those guys come back and they haven't had the headlines for a while. And, and you kind of see, you know, what those guys are like. And like I said, um, you know, unprompted, you see guys like Ben McLemore come up to me and Cole Aldrich and Tyshawn Taylor. I t- chatted with Tyshawn Taylor for, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to have a story coming out uh, on, on what he sees from Devon Dotson and, uh, you know, how he's, his game has evolved over time. So um, it is sort of 
interesting to see those guys grown up and with kids of their own and how life has changed for them and then also to see um, if the personality has changed too. And, and for most of those guys, it hasn't and their sales still kind of the, the same people they were before. So um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating event and to have all those guys come back and um, to be gracious to uh, be in that event and then help raise money with Brian Haney. I think it goes and shows a lot of uh, the character they have and then also the uh, wanting to be back around their old teammates and be a part of the KU program again. Well, and I think when they see people like you and Gary and, and Brian and, and those who would have been around when they played, they, they didn't uh, at the time. I mean, they, they had to react to you and the profession in a way that they don't have to act exactly. now. And they have years of perspective built up as well. And I, you, you said it a moment ago that, uh, look, you know, they, they come back to a place where they're very appreciated, uh, acknowledged, and, um, and, and, you know, opened with welcome arms. And when they see people like yourself and, and Gary, they, you know, that, that, I think that conjures good memories for them as well. And, um, and, and I'm glad to hear that. I, I experienced some of that years ago covering Kansas and, um, and, and other, in other schools and other sports. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's the case. Yeah, and I mean, again, not to get too personal into this, but it's kind of like the old cliche saying that you hear. It's like, uh, it's it's not what you did. It's how I'll, I'll never I'll forget how the things you did, but I'll never forget how you made me feel. And so a lot of those guys, you know, I mean, I'm I'm serious. I'm standing back there watching these guys sign autographs, and big seven foot Cole Aldrich is, you know, coming up to me. Hey man, how's it going? Hey, it's good to see you. What's going on? Uh, you know, right as he's leaving, I'm talking to Kenny Gregory, and I didn't even cover Kenny Gregory. But he's you know sharing a, a couple minutes with me talking about his best outfield house memories. I wrote about that. If people want to check out the star, he said, I said, what was the closest you ever came to quitting? And he said. Third practice, Roy Williams. He ran me so hard, I had to lie naked in the locker room for three hours after passing out. So, um, you know, things like that. You know, uh, Matt Kleiman. Um, it's it, like I said, Tyshawn Taylor. I, you know, I, I talked to him at uh, a local restaurant here in Lawrence, just talking about pick and roll and things that he's done, and what he sees, and how he sees the game differently. And again, he's got his kid alongside him. He's eating a burger and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it, I think it says something about these guys to uh, to have those sorts of experiences. And if we're honest, I mean. There's so much negative stuff in college basketball right now. I mean, there's so... And we'll, and we'll get to that. Uh, I mean, exactly. Like, there's so much about the sport and about the people who run uh, the NCAA and about the things that happen and about the things that go on behind closed doors that make you really not want to follow it anymore and make you very skeptical, make you very jaded, especially when you've been around it for a long time. So... Um, again, not to get too personal on these things, but it is nice when you have these moments where it's like, it's just people coming to you and talking to you and, and realizing that you were there when, when they were there and um, having conversations that maybe you couldn't have had uh, a few years back. So I, I think it speaks a lot to those people coming back. And again, the grand scheme of things is raising money for pediatric cancer. And it speaks to Brian Haney and then all those guys who want to come back and be a part of uh, being a part of a weekend with teammates and then be a part of the KU basketball community again. And uh, those guys deserve credit for uh, what they did, did both on the court and then off the court as well. Well, and not many programs can pull it off, too. Not to the extent that the Kansas done. No. And part of that has been coaching continuity. I mean, you know, Kansas is a program that doesn't turn over a coach every four or five or six years. So, you know, the, the previous classes, the you know, the older players uh, are always, always feel welcome back. I imagine that there's somebody who works over at Kansas that is in charge of, you know, co- staying in contact with the mm-hmm. alumni and making sure that they always, you know, are welcome back. And 
Uh, I, I know when uh, when jerseys get hung, when they have the ceremony, it's not every year, but every, whenever one does happen like that, you see a lot of former Kansas players help celebrate that that moment, and um, and that, that's that, that's cool to see. You know, I mentioned Frank Mason a little earlier. Um, you know, Frank, of all the players that you just mentioned, and all the guys who came through Kansas, uh, while while you have covered them for the Star, for for Lawrence, for Emporia, for anybody else. Frank Mason's the most honored of those players, is mm-hmm. he not? I mean, to be, you know, consensus national, unanimous, not consensus. Na- I think he was unanimous national player, player of the, of the year. year. Um, maybe the, the the most decorated Kansas player, really more decorated than Danny Manning because Manning split his national player of the year honors with Hersey Hawkins. So anyway, the reason I'm bringing him up is I just find him in an interesting spot professionally. He just finished his second year with the Sacramento Kings. And, you know, he's third on the depth chart for, for the Kings. In the same draft, he, he went in the second round, and Sacramento took De'Aaron Fox in the first round. And De'Aaron Fox is a future face of the NBA, I mm-hmm. think. And, and, uh, and Frank Mason is, might be out of a job after, you know, pretty soon. I happened to talk to Vladdy Divac, uh, the, the general manager, whatever his title is with the Kings, at the Final Four this year, and he gave me the boiler points, uh, uh, boilerplate special on on <laughs> on Frank, great great guy, great teammate, love having him. But the, the the cold reality is he may not be you know with the Kings, and I wonder what his NBA future is. Yeah, and you sort of saw that in some of the articles that uh, you know Gary Bedore and then our Greg Woods wrote about uh, both wrote about Frank over the weekend after he went in the round ball, but. If you look at Kansas, if we're being completely honest, you know Sacramento has not been the best landing spot no. for uh, former Jayhawks. Uh, it just hasn't, and they've picked high in the draft before. And uh, you look at Thomas Robinson, you look at Ben McLemore, you look at now Frank Mason. And again, I think this is slightly different circumstances, as you mentioned with De'Aaron Fox, where they drafted a guy who has become successful that's just basically plays his position and is, is in front of him. So it might be best for all parties involved if he does basically – you know, get cut and get to choose his next destination and see where it takes him. Uh, I think with Frank, (laughs) what he brings to the table is what you saw in that charity game and maybe what you didn't see with Kansas this year, which he barely took himself off the court in the round ball classic. Like he, 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 he wanted to win. You know what I mean? And I mean, if you think about this big picture, you just mentioned it, Blair, like he's about to go on his third NBA season. And we all know these guys have shelf lives and using the NBA, they're pretty short and he might not be with the Kings very soon. He might have to go prove himself somewhere else or sign with a team that might have to take a chance on him. And he's not leaving the court in a charity event at a KU basketball game. He scores the last basket for his team on a winning team. And I know I wrote about this some last year where I almost didn't want to place fault on last year's team for losing the streak because it wasn't that they didn't care because I really think that guys like Dieter Lawson did very much care. It's just they didn't care to the level that some of the previous guys cared. And maybe that was an unfair standard because Frank Mason cares at a different level. He had like, he had a lot of years invested in Kansas. Yes, he was there. Yeah, he, you know, talking about the blood, sweat, and tears, the cliche. He was there for a while. And then KU just sort of hit lightning in a bottle, I think, for the back-to-back years when they got Devontae Graham and Frank Mason because what we're seeing now is I don't see guys as much, or at least for Kansas recently, that are invested in Kansas as much. And that doesn't mean they don't want to play well. doesn't mean that they aren't trying to win. It just means that it meant a little bit more to Frank Mason. It meant a little bit more to Devontae Graham. And last year's team, I just don't think we ever saw that. Like, I'm just envisioning that Oklahoma game that ended the streak. And, 
you know, Oklahoma goes on this big run. Okay, he made this mini run to come back, and Oklahoma immediately responds like a 15-0 run, and they're up 30 points. And okay, you just that was a, it. A, every other team with Kansas, you're just thinking like they're not just going to lay down here. I mean, they're, they're not just going to let the streak end like this. And this team just sort of let the streak end. So, uh, getting back to Mason, I, I don't want to make this you know burying last year's team because I mean last year's team did what it could and had injuries and all those sorts of things, but. With Mason, he's so competitive, and so that will overcome a lot of the deficiencies he has, not being as tall, uh, may probably, probably struggle to finish inside, probably getting better at that in the NBA, but label gets thrown around, and if you're a coach, you know, he's a winner. I mean, if, if that's the kind of guy you want on your team, because he is going to give every last ounce of what he has, because he does not want to lose games, whether that's in the NBA, or at KU, or in the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic, where we're talking crimson versus blue. So, um, we'll see what happens with him. Might be best to get out of Sacramento. Like I said, KU guys have just not had that much success there um, if he does get another chance then maybe it's a better fit for him if not then you make the best of a backup role and see if uh, you can extend your career that way but um, like I said I think what we saw this last weekend from him is exactly the best asset he provides is he has a different level of care meter than a lot of the other guys out there all right I know it's late in the game here but we're going to take a break because there's a couple of questions I want to ask Jesse on the other side before we wrap it up Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at kansascity.com slash sportspass. We are back with Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas for the Kansas City Star and kansascity.com and the Wichita Eagle and kansas.com. We're talking KU basketball and... Jesse, since the last time we talked, a few things have happened. One, the NBA draft, um, Dedrick Lawson did not uh, get selected. No Kansas player did, and Lawson was the only one that would have been. What's his pro future? That's a good question. Um, I think it depends on fit because for him, and we don't know all that goes into second-round decisions. I know a lot of people just think, oh, you rank your draft board and you just take the best player available. The NBA, it's a little bit different. Sometimes they want guys to have a certain role. Sometimes teams want guys with higher upside. Sometimes teams want guys that want to sign on two-way contracts or don't mind going, um, you know, doing different options with that. So for Diedrich, he signs with the Golden State Summer League team. That doesn't necessarily tie him to Golden State, but at least that's where he's going to get to compete. A little bit surprised he didn't get a two-way contract with some team, but again, that could be his representation, maybe making a bet upon himself to say, hey, I, we think we're, you're going to do well enough in Summer League that you can maybe get yourself a guaranteed contract after. After that, to me, I I know we talk about fit a lot. It almost seems like a cliche, but to me, it seems like he probably needs to go to a better team because if you're looking at what he does, well, he's not going to jump out of the gym. He's not going to be super athletic. He's not going to have a super high upside ceiling. He can, you can't sell him to a fan base to say, look at the up and coming X team in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like he is what he is. He's super skilled. Um, he's a great rebounder for his size. He can stretch the floor with his shot. And um, that's probably going to produce a pretty high floor and a pretty low ceiling. So if you're looking at some of those big teams out there, the ones that have some of the superstars, you could see a need for a guy that comes in, makes the rookie minimum, 
you know, plays with a couple superstars, plays passable defense, and then is able to hit an open shot and be a role player offensively and, and serve his role that way. Whereas on a worse team, you know, that's probably not what those guys want. They want the, the guy that can jump out of the gym, but hey, you have to fix his jump shot. Or, or hey, we need to sell this to a fan base. So, um, again, Golden State, uh, that might not be where he ends up, but that, that's, a, that's the sort of team you're looking at here. Like, okay, they've got superstars. They need a guy who can just be on the court, be a passable NBA player, and make the league minimum. And that might be the best opportunity for Diedrich to latch on to one of those teams. You know, you look Golden State or the Lakers or, or one of those teams that might just kind of need a body on the roster that can uh, show himself to be an NBA player at a very early age. And I think that's something Diedrich can do. Again, you can't ask for too much out of him, but um, if you don't ask for too much out of him, you'll probably be pretty happy with what you get so um, that, that's probably the best role for him and we'll see if he finds it after the summer league and if he can latch on with somebody we also haven't talked to you since in fact I think it was almost the same day or the day after the last time we talked to you that uh, there was a story that produced by cbssports.com that basically put the uh, several of the schools that were mentioned in the FBI investigation on alert that notice of allegations were coming in their way two in July and four by the end of summer. None of the schools were named, but um, Kansas was a school that was uh, mentioned prominently in the FBI investigation. So uh, I, I don't know what to say on this, except there's a, you know, it's a, we're in the wait and see time, and we'll see if Kansas is one of those. But um, there, there was just, just some guesswork after the story came out and a lot of conversation about would, would Kansas be one of those six to get a notice of allegation, especially would be would it be one of the two? And my my initial thought was, I, I thought no uh, initially uh, because I kind of it was a process of elimination for me. Um, the four schools that had assistant coaches that were uh, arrested, uh, so I, those were four. And I I don't remember. I don't think I can name all the four: uh, Auburn, Southern Cal, Oklahoma State, maybe Miami, um, were, were maybe the four. Mm-hmm. Louisville had been mentioned prominently, Arizona, NC State, Kansas. I just thought there was a math here that may favor Kansas, but I, I don't know. What 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 are your sense? What's your sense on this? Well, first off, I think one thing that's interesting, our Gary Bedor, who will be here in here at some point. Yes. Uh, you hear that, <laughs> yep. Gary? He asked Bill Self after it was Stan Wilcox of the NCAA had these comments and to, to Dennis Dodd of CBS and, Sports. And, and and Bill came up pretty strongly to, to basically say that he disagreed with how that was handled. Because if you look at this kind of from a big picture perspective, it was sort of the NCAA kind of putting its chest out saying, hey, be ready, get, get your popcorn. Which, which we're, was we're, really unusual. That has never happened. I've been covering college sports for almost 35 years. No NCAA official has ever spoken on the record the way Stan Wilcox did. So very fascinating because, again, it's sort of almost like promising a punishment. And um, Bill Self's main contention with it was basically to say, look, there might be schools that are guilty, there might be schools that are not guilty, but you have this investigative process that the NCAA has laid out. And if these schools are going to be punished, if you go through the process and you go through the interviews and go through everything that happens and those schools are punished, then that's the moment to announce that. You, you don't come out with this scare tactic and scare every right. fan base that's been out there uh, that's been associated with this and have them text their AD and text their coach or call their coach or freak out. Basically, that's what this did is it made everybody sort of freak out and, uh, you know, without naming the schools. So um, it's sort of interesting and kind of seeing that back and forth. And again, Bill Self, always great in front of a microphone because he knows exactly what he's saying. He doesn't 
waste words. And I think he was frustrated by that situation that uh, they sort of had, KU sort of had to deal with a matter that wasn't even a matter. You know what I mean? That wasn't a matter yet. My sense, you know, I listened to Mark Titus's podcast. Um, you know, he's kind of a college basketball analyst too. Uh, if I'm correct, Blair, two of those, the first two schools are supposed to be high profile schools, the ones coming in July. Um, That's what Stan Wilcox said, but I, I, I don't know what he, what his definition of high profile is. I, I guess I'm. My thought would be, is there a higher profile school than Kansas? There isn't. No, there isn't. I mean, so again, if 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 the thought is to get it out there that the NCAA is taking this seriously, they're kind of puffing their chest out. They're saying, "Hey, we're coming after you." There's going to be, if not results, there's going to be action taken soon. If that's if that's what you want, then a high profile school is Kansas. So, listen, these the only problem with this whole thing is this is a process. I mean, notice getting a notice of allegations, even if it happens in July for Kansas, that doesn't mean this thing is over soon. That doesn't no, mean this thing is... But, but it does It does mean that the NCAA has finished its investigative part of the process. It's now handing that process, to, the findings of that process to Kansas, the ball's in Kansas court. Now, it, now Kansas has options at this point. But... Bottom line is it's going to take a year or two. It will. It will, it will before that's all right. is said. So, like, I know fans think, okay, that notice of allegations means, okay, maybe the end is coming soon. Not the case. You know, I mean, this thing is going to hang on. But So I would, yes, I would say that Kansas, if, if I had a guess, I would say Kansas is one of those first two schools now. Again, that's conjecture on my part. But if you're going for a high-profile school, that's Kansas. And I would assume that the NCAA has had plenty of time now to investigate do things for Kansas because they were mentioned in the first FBI trial and there's been a lot of time that's passed since then for them to be able to go in and do what they needed to do. So um, that would be my guess on this thing. And like I said, there wouldn't be much of a bigger splash than to, uh, I don't mean whether it's Kansas and Arizona, Kansas and Louisville, um, if that's the sort of impact you're going for, uh, that's kind of the first, um, you know, First thing to drop, if if you want to put it in those t- in those terms, that uh, if that were to happen, then I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kansas is one of those high profile. Well, schools. and maybe maybe that's what um, maybe that's what it's about. The very idea of the NCAA speaking publicly, I think, is a statement from the NCAA. The message being, um, you know, we're not we're not sitting back twiddling our thumbs. We were working the entire time. We were, you know, using the, the information from the FBI investigation, and and building, starting to build cases. Uh, I, I think the NCAA was starting to, uh, in in at least public sentiment, uh, get criticism for you know wondering, well, what when's the FBI, when, when's the NCAA going to do something? And, um, and and the NCAA was saying all along, we're going to wait until the FBI mm-hmm. completes its process. That has happened, and so it, it, to be honest with you, this is happening earlier than I thought. The NCAA part of this, I thought it would take longer than a matter of months, at least. From it'll be, it'll end up being a couple of months from the end of the FBI, you know, the hearings, uh, you know, trials to the first letter of allegation that goes out to a school. So uh, happening sooner. Well, we'll see if it's Kansas, and um, and then Kansas fans will have another reason to, you know. To, to wonder and to worry and well and sometimes you know it's I've been talking about this with people Blair it's it's almost just like the worst part is the waiting the worst part is the wondering the worst part is the anticipation of what could come um, and again, I don't know what the NCAA plans on doing and, and we'll see from this point forward but um, it just we always kind of describe this as a 
cloud. You know, it's, it's like a black cloud that just won't go away. It's just, it's just going to hang there and it's not going away. And like I said, this process we saw like with the Missouri Tudor thing, you know, that thing happened. It took a couple years until the final thing was done where they said, here are your sanctions. And uh, it's almost like uh, ripping off the mandate. Like finally for Missouri, I mean, that wasn't the, the ruling they wanted, but like then you don't have to worry anymore or wonder what it's going to be. It's finally done and over with and you can appeal for Kansas. This thing is going to linger on for quite a while now. All right, Jesse Newell, thanks for stopping by, and we will talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Blair. Links to some of the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes on facebook.com slash KU Hoops, the KU Hoops app, kansascity.com and kansas.com, and in the print editions of the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. Thanks to producers Kathy Liu and Leah Becerra, We'll talk sports in Kansas City again soon on Sports Beat KC.